Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 11th episode of, of, of this season of One for One. I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. In a Bass Pro Shop shirt, Miles, um, what's going on there? Not much, Nolan. Thank you for the free ad um, from for for uh, for Bass Pro. There, I was actually gonna throw on a Bass Pro Shop hat as well because last week you never commented on it, but I went double Patagonia. Um, so I was gonna keep it going, but I did. Dude, are you from Banff? Uh, I do love hiking, but no, I was gonna go double double Bass Pro, but I, f- I figured if I was wearing a Bass Pro snapback, I'd have to get like a dangly cross earring and like bite my bite my lower lip in every picture. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't even have words. I I honest I honestly don't even have words because you you put the image in my head and I'm I'm already depressed. That's like eighty five percent of the guys under twenty one at the gym. Hey, these days. Yeah, isn't it? Like I it seems like honestly. Do you know what I think set that off? Odell Beckham. I mean, like probably George Michael. No, but okay. But if you think about it in the like popular cultural lexicon that we have today, I know some big words right here. I think that that whole like dangly necklace bullshit was was popularized in this modern culture by Odell Beckham. Man, I'm ashamed to say it, but if I was probably four years younger, I would absolutely have one without a doubt. I think they're so fucking cool. Did I'm... I ever tell you about the time I had a neck or I had an earring? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I I got it pierced in 2002 the the day before I went and saw Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights in theaters. <laughs> Whoa! Like was it was it did you was it a homemade earring or did you have to go to like uh, Claire's and like <laughs> went to like a Claire's or some shit? Fuck, I actually man. have a photo of it. Dude, I would I would pay more money than I'm proud to admit to see that picture. I I need that picture. And then it, uh, I think I had it for a grand total of maybe three weeks, and then it got ripped out on the playground. Oh, was it yeah. like a, was it like a diamond? Like was it like a like were you? Sick? No, it was it was a hoop. You had a hoop. <laughs> oh my god! So you looked like a pirate. Arr, I'm going Dave crazy face. Uh, <laughs> did uh have you ever watched the um did you ever like do you know who uh, Conan O'Brien is? Conan O'Brien. Yeah, I'm yeah. A, I'm aware. Okay. Um do you ever watch his like remote sketches that he had from when he had like his show? It would be like him and like Jordan Schlansky would go and do stuff and they would just kind of like bicker back and forth or they'd be um well, anyways, there was one where he <laughs> went to a Civil War reenactment, and he talks to the one guy, and everybody's giving like uh, everybody's giving Conan shit because he keeps on putting on like hand cream and stuff, and they say, "Oh, that's not allowed in Civil War times." And then this guy still has his earring in it, like he still has his hoop earring in, and he says, "You're giving me crap about using hand cream." While you look like a pirate who's about to go clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, good man, yeah, man, hell yeah, earrings. I'm gonna get earrings one. Earrings are fucking uh, sick. Did I ever tell you about the time that my dad making... wanted to get a septum piercing? 
A septum piercing. <laughs> my dad wanted to get a septum piercing. Like, like dude, a, hell yeah, man! Like I love a, it. Like like a like a bullhorn. Yeah, I'm. I know. I know what a septum ring is. Yeah, yeah I feel I, Richard could pull that off with the big <sighs> with the big beard. Absolutely, he could rock that. But I'm telling you now, Nolan, when we're making big money from sponsorship dollars, um, I'll I'll get it. I'll get an earring. That'll be that'll be my gift to myself. When I can quit my job selling tractors because we're making big podcast bucks, I'm gonna get an earring. I don't care if I, I'm forty. I don't care if I'm fifty. I'm getting a fucking. If we're earring. doing that and we're making that much money, I will bet you money, or I will put money on the table for you to for you to pierce your urethra. Oh, that's <laughs> quite a step and no one you know what else is quite a step hold on hold on one quick second before you do the transition i know you're i know you're teeing up for the transition i need i need you to tell you i need to tell you this do you know what that piercing is called uh is that not a prince albert it is a prince albert saskatchewan yeah let's go you cannot spell party with pa do you know what you <laughs> do you know what else you can't spell party without why as in why are we so bad at predicting the weeks of Oilers games recently? I don't know, Nolan, but I think that if this is any point in time, we should be running through the agenda for today. We are going to be recapping the games against Dallas. The game against... I said games when I should have said game because I'm a fucking idiot. We're going to be recapping the game against Dallas, the game against the Desert Dogs, and then the game against the VGK Knights. Uh, we'll do a little bit of Oilers talk. There's a few things that have been happening in the last week that are funny, that are sad, and that are just straight up stuff. Then we'll move into some NHL discussion because there is a lot of it. It's been a busy week in the National, and we are stoked to talk about it. And then lastly, we will explain um, this is the last episode before Pickapalooza starts back up. So I'm going to use this platform um, to its fullest to explain a cool little trick or a cool little a thing I've thought of to make the Palooza a little bit more fun. So, Nolan, speaking of fun, um, first game against Dallas. Not a lot of it there. What did you title this one, bud? Dallas. Uh... <laughs> so, Nolan's, Nolan's oh. two favorite teams got to play, and uh, either way, he was going to be happy with the outcome, hey? That's not true, Miles. I I I I ride for the Dallas Stars, except for when they play the Edmonton Oilers. And if it if it means an Oilers loss, I am hashtag sad, as the kids say. Big four one loss to the Dallas Stars. Uh, not a, a pretty dreadful performance by the team overall. We're not going to go over this too much because losses make us sad. The Connor McDavid point streak ends at seventeen games. Uh, 24 games overall. Um, so that's, you know, it just, it, it just, it just, it just frustrates me when the team uh, doesn't think about Connor McDavid and they should always be thinking about Connor McDavid and Connor McDavid should think about himself sometimes. Uh, shout out to Ryan McLeod for his uh, third, uh, third goal of the year. Um, actually kind of put them back in this game and made it seem like the Oilers might pull off the comeback and it didn't happen. And unfortunately, they also left Stuart Skinner out to dry, who allowed four goals on 29 shots. 
and posted an 8.879 save percentage. Was it uh four was it four goals allowed or was it three goals allowed? I can't remember cuz I think it was netter? I think it was four. I don't know if they actually put an empty net in them or not. Um when I was doing the stats for this game, um there was nothing that indicated that that was an empty net goal, but I'm uh, expecting somebody's going to be in the Instagram DMs right away like you're an idiot. It was for sure an empty net and then and then I'm going to have to be like, "Oh no, Frey. The only reason why I bring that up is because I know that the Oilers have this miraculous gift of not scoring an empty net goal or allowing a goal with the opposition uh, or with their net empty. It's just it's a it's just a complete nightmare. Just just it's just a never ending, never ending uh, train of sadness for the Edmonton Oilers. Choo choo all aboard the disappointment. You are right Express. though. It was a goal allowed. It was a unfortunately Luke Glendening tipped goal. Oh, <laughs> the the face off king himself. <sighs> that whole goal could have been avoided with a Ken Holland deadline acquisition. We'll just we're not going to talk about it, okay? That you can was, tell me to was, shut up. It's fine. That was the that was the Dallas Stars biggest biggest acquisition acquisition this summer. And oh. yes, my Dallas Stars. That was their big acquisition. My Dallas Stars, Nolan. I'm glad you said that. Can we take a little <laughs> break in the stats here? Because I have been getting some feedback from the last episode. Where a few people, uh-oh, where a few people said, you know what? I really like that roster breakdown because I was very angry about our new nemesis, the Winnipeg Jets. And I think that this could be another fun one with the Dallas Stars because I fucking hate the Dallas Stars. They are a group of green idiots, terrible jerseys, <laughs> terrible stadium, terrible everything. Uh, so shout out Mike Pruden. This is your favorite team. Enjoy this one. This is going to be a good one for you, bud. Um, let's start at the top. Jake Ottinger, uh, a young goalie, American goalie, bleh, who is behind a backlog of old washed up men. Have a day, Jake. You've got rope hints. Stupidest name in the NHL. Ooh, it's actually Rula. What's his name? Rupe. Rupe. Get a fucking normal name. Your parents should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, something Gurianov, Russian. Luke and- Dennis Gurianov. I don't understand what's so difficult about that. Super Russian, super Russian, works at a plant, drinks vodka from vending machines. Luke Glendening wins face-offs, that's about it. Uh, Jason Robertson, the NHL has been absolutely just throwing him all around town, just throwing it back at him, and I don't understand why. Guy is not that sick. Uh, Klinberg, cool, I scored a goal with him in NHL one time, and that's fucking the best thing he's ever done. Ryan Suter, uh, former buyout baby. Miro Heiskanen, I actually really like Miro Heiskanen, so I got nothing to say there. Um, something, Kier, Joel Kiravanta, that's an interesting name as well. Um, very Eastern European. Radulov, sick. Nothing bad to say about Radulov because he likes drinking fun water and playing puck for the motherland. And what's this dude's name? Radic Faxa? Yes, Radic Faxa. Is that actually his name? Yes, his name is Radic that's a, Faxa. That's a fucking garbage name. <laughs> Do you want this on recording? Yeah, it's recording right now. Okay, yeah, okay, Is it? okay, yeah, yeah, okay, go. So it got Faxa. Yes, it's Faxa. Is that actually his name? Yes, his name is Radic Faxa. Imagine being named after an old piece of technology. Like, oh, I'm just gonna send you a Faxa. Dumb name. <laughs> what the- 
It's not spelled F-A-X-A. It's spelled F-A-K-S-A. Yeah, but he's still named after a fax machine. Get with the times. He should be, uh, what's what's his, what's his first name? Radic. Uh, Radic. He should be Radic Scanna because you should be sending scans of documents, not faxes. Uh, Jamie Ben. We all know how we feel about Jamie Ben. For some reason, he's an elite shell guy. You can just snipe goals with him, but uh, I don't like him as a human being. Uh, S.O. Lindell, I actually don't have too many bad things to say about him either. He's kind of a decent dude. Uh, Rafi, Michael Raff, Michael Raffle, don't call him Rafi Torres. Um, you know what Yope is? Yope? Yope. Like Yop? Like the, like the drink? No, like the Vietnamese, like, tasteless rice dish. No. I don't know that. It's just a bland, tasteless dish. Bland, tasteless dish uh, that they feed to old people and little kids. And I think that that is what uh, Michael Raffle is as well. He's just, yop. Um Yanni Hakapinka? What the fuck? Yanni Hockenpah. Jesus Christ, Miles. Say it again one more time. Yanni Hockenpah. Rock'em, sock'em, robots. <laughs> uh, Ho Pavelski, 37-year-old Ho Pavelski leading it up for the boys there. That's great uh who's this jacob peterson that's a nice name uh if you're like a midwest investment banker tyler sagan um we all know how we feel about tyler sagan uh negative correspondence there Pretty and hot, uh though. the bio the uh, the bio boy andre sakara that's your team nolan that group of ragtag rascals is your second favorite team Half of them don't even have normal pronounceable they're, they're names. My second favorite team. I just I I like the overall build of the team and the this game against the Oilers actually made them like like it just proves that they're pretty good still. Ah, uh, the fall of Constantinople, the fall of communism in Russia and oh the fall God. of the Dallas Stars, the three things that I lose sleep about at night. Um Philip Roberg played 18 minutes and 59 seconds, one second away from having 19 minutes of ice time. Wow. And uh, Boosh Daddy played 23 minutes and 16 seconds also. Wow. I know that there's a very banged up back end uh, in the Oilers department this year or right now currently. Um, how do you feel about that, Nolan? Tough situation with guys being out, but how do we feel about these minute munchers coming from young young thugs? We're going to talk about Philip Broberg in a – in a little bit, uh, because I, I, I want to dive into a bit of the underlying numbers on him. Uh, Evan right. Bouchard, obviously, our love has not gone unspoken. My biggest concern is Chris Russell playing over 20 minutes a game. The ageless Chris you Russell. You don't like to see that. Uh, uh, William Loggison's filled in all right. I just it's 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 still a little it's still a little icky as the kids might say a little a little yucky so i i just yeah i i don't i i don't i don't care with philip broberg playing all the time that he is because he's looked quite good i don't care about evan bouchard playing all the time he is because it's not really very far off from what he's already been doing this season so that's okay but I mean, Tyson Berry and Chris Russell is a just nuclear pairing, and I don't mean nuclear in a good way. Norris winning, some might even say. Uh, Miles, can we can we move on from this stinky L? 
I think I think we can Nolan after. I just I just think it's funny that um I feel like this segment of the show was not our strongest. Oh, I yeah? also I also feel like this game from the Oilers was not their strongest. Um, so it's fitting. But as the Phoenix rises from the ashes, we move on to the next game, the second game of last week, which was against the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, and uh, dirty uh, kill ya Labushkin. Uh, just, just, just throwing Connor McDavid into the net. They 5-3. Win over the Arizona Coyotes, the Edmonton Oilers moved to 14 and 5. And right off the hop, couple of storylines. Uh, first game with Zach Cassian on the top line, and Yesipoli Yarvi moved down to the third line. Huh! Uh, Koskinen making uh, his start again, which, I mean, you, you have to kind of start him at some point. But. Eh. You know, we'll save we'll 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 save the Pooley Yarvey Zach Cassian switch up. But this game got off to I don't know if you've heard this before this season, but the Oilers got off to a terrible start. <laughs> Who'd have thunk, right? Uh, the boys clearly missed their bus. But off of a really bad read by Philip Roberg on that two on one, uh, leads to a really 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 poopy goal scored on Miko Koskinen by Clayton Keller. Um, and then that just continued on to a pretty terrifying first 15 minutes of the game because, like I said before, they started late again. And I'm telling you right now, this has to get cleaned up by the time they go to the trade deadline because this shit will not, will not you will not win playoff games if you're doing this because teams will learn to shut you down. Dude, trade deadline? They got to get this figured out before the Olympic break. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, it's just they they have yet to play like an A plus game, and it it kind of drives me nuts at this point. I want that I want that four nothing shutout. Like I don't think that's really all that difficult. Just give me the four nothing shutout where you play consistently for sixty minutes. Out outshoot the opposition thirty five to twenty eight. Beat them for nothing. Don't give up too many high danger chances. Just keep it simple and perfect. And yet we can't get anything even close to that. It's it's all been hey they played pretty good, but guess what? So the the record doesn't lie. I'm very happy about the record. I'm very happy about the personal accomplishments of some of the players, but it's still concerning to me. Finally, though, from a team hockey perspective, yes, from the. Uh, after that, though, with five minutes left, the Oilers' power play finally leads to Connor McDavid scoring and then getting two-handed into the post by that absolute goon, Ilya Labushkin. Relax, Ilya. Putin is not selecting you for the Olympics. And, of course, no call on the play. When have we heard this before? Uh, how did you feel about the Ilya Labushkin uh, uh, cross-check into the, into the post? Like... I don't think anybody feels good about that. That's a pretty like that's a pretty gutless chuck. Some are calling it. Um, I don't know. Like frustrated. H- how do I feel frustrated? I feel sad because like that absolutely should have been a call. Horrible, horrible blown call. Scary play. Anytime Connor McDavid kind of gets close to a post, I get just a flashback and I get a little yeah. scared. 
So uh, makes me feel uneasy, Nolan, if that's what you're looking well, for. Well, Miles, I will actually combine the best of both worlds and say that it looked the like it, for, at, for, at first it was not only a post on the play that he ran into, but it also looked like he injured his collarbone. So the, the best of both Connor McDavid injury worlds had kind of aligned together in what we thought was potentially something far worse. But I digress. Moving on. As I mentioned before, Zach Cassie moved up to the top line, scored himself a nice goal, two goals for Connor, two goals for Leon, four points apiece for the dynamic duo, and three points for Zach Cassian. Um, despite that first period, the Oilers completely dominated the second and most of the third, and the last five minutes of this game were a, a test of how har- uh, just how far the human brain can operate under stress, because holy Jumping Jawillikers, what a scary sight at the end of that game. Um, with a couple of very quick goals, uh, including the one that uh, was 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 making me sweat by Shane Shane Go- Ghost Bear. I don't want to call him by his real last name because I don't like Shane Goss's Bear. So yeah, not great, uh, and that is only to be outdone by the next game. Uh, Hyman, Broberg, Nuge, Benson, Sevier, Yamo, Turris, all dash one. You don't like to see that. However, I do want to talk about the fourth line when we do get to sort of our overall thoughts because I, 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 I believe it or not, I've actually kind of enjoyed the fourth line in a weird way now that it's kind of fixed up a little bit. As you mentioned in here, Scott Wedgwood is a pimp. Fun fact, I actually, um, a guy I used to work with, Scott Wedgwood was actually his best man at his wedding which is very cool. Uh, so I have a photo of me holding a Ontario Rain Scott Wedgwood jersey signed. I That's know. very sick. It's Scott. very cool. And I I hear he's just a lovely human being. So and shout out him. Scott Wedgwood. And yeah, I mean, there's not really much else to say with this. You clean up in Arizona, wipe your hands of the mess at the end and just move on. Like I, I said, oh, sorry, go on. May I interject for a second, Nolan? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Scott Wedgwood got claimed off waivers, I believe, or not even waivers. I think it was just a fucking straight up acquisition. No, it was off waivers by the Coyotes because he was put on waivers so, by the Devils. Excellent. So off waivers, he gets claimed by the Arizona Coyotes and gets their first win for the for the team for the season. Same thing he did, I think, like two years ago or something like that. Like Scott Wedgwood needs to find a home in Arizona because I think he is a hell of a lot better than some of the other goaltending options that they've had. And again, good dude, solid dude, should get a shot. And I just hope that uh, Arizona gets their head out of their buttocks, finds a rink to play in or moves and keeps keeps Scott Wedgwood. So I was thinking about this with Arizona. Like, how long do they actually get? Because... If they're relying on the weight of the impending UFA status of Austin Matthews, is it after that and they realize that they actually didn't get Austin Matthews that then Bettman can be like, okay, we'll sell the team? I think it's got to be that. Like, but at, at the same time, like Bettman, Bettman's not going to not let them get Matthews. I just, I, I mean, I don't, I, 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 I have absolutely no idea what the hell the NHL is thinking by going to bat for the, for the Yotes as much as they are. Like, it sucks you don't want to see teams pulled out of markets because those teams clearly have really passionate fan bases. But 
I just don't get it. I it doesn't seem financially viable. It doesn't seem like that has much of a market. I just I don't know with them. It's it's so stupid, man, because the greater Phoenix area is like the fourth biggest metropolitan in uh, the United States. Like it's insane how big the greater Phoenix area is. So I don't know if it's interest because like even in non-traditional hockey markets that are just big, you should just have a draw. Like people should just be coming out. But I think it's where the stadium is situated is what their their big issue is. Like the Gila River Arena is like kind of out of the way. And I think if you talk to anybody who goes and watches games in Arizona, it's just kind of known as like the snowbird spot. Like people, non-locals go to it. So everything is a mess. It, uh, bring your broom because it's a mess. Marty Huggins, get it out of there. I don't know why they don't play where the friggin' Suns play. They should, yeah. Just most like, like a lot of a lot of big cities just have like a sports complex, right? I'm assuming there's probably a reason behind it, but I'm just I'm far too unprepared to even know a reason why they why they haven't done it. But one of I these just, days yeah. we'll get our we'll get our masters in urban planning and we'll have a one full, of these days uh, when I can quit report. my job and just become a full time uh, dirtbag podcaster is is when I can actually know all of these facts. So with uh, an with an earring, but yes. Uh, so please be patient. It's coming. Speaking of it's coming. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was the entire Oilers fan base after a big win against the dangerous Golden Knights crew. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one, eh? I used to be a piece of shit. <laughs> the Golden Knights used to be, just kidding, they're full-time pieces of shit. With a 3-2 win for the Edmonton Oilers over the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, this was a fantastic litmus test for this team because this was the first game that Vegas had this season with Pacioretty and Stone in the lineup against the Edmonton Oilers. And this game got off to a, a start about as you would expect. Brrr, what? Uh, what's the word of the day or the phrase of the day? Brrr, didn't start on time, baby. Because the Oilers got off to an incredibly stinky start, just getting completely shelled by high danger chances all night, but yet somehow not getting scored on. And Miko Koskinen somehow looked like the uh, the new rendition of Dominic Hasek in the net. Um, a glove save, especially in that first period on March or so, th- that looked like what Mac T envisioned when he signed Ben Scrivens, hoping he would get that <laughs> for 10 years. Oh, yeah, it's it just, the once again... This team not starting on time, and it, it just it, it's just uh, I gotta gotta pinch my ear sometimes and try and relax. But luckily, just as easy as the chances were coming for Vegas, Vegas was giving them up just as easily for Edmonton, and the boys were feasting. And I felt like it was every two and a half minutes the Oilers had a two on one, barreling towards the net, and Robin Lander just made huge saves. I think it was I think it was Derek Ryan and Sevier were coming yeah, down on a two on, on PK. one, and that was one of the most like uh, sorry to say two good guys. We love Derek Ryan, we love Colton Sevier, but that was like some of the most unskilled hockey. Like, it was uninspiring, seen. is what it was. Like, that looked like that looked like me and the boys going one win, eleven losses in ball hockey this year. That was a fucking tough look blowing smoke out of their ass the entire way down the oh, ice oh, and then and then sevier like get like leonard makes a save and sevier like 
he like kind of looks up like really dude you bobbled the pass did you really and, and then you shot it like an inch off the ice did you really think you were like going roof daddy on him like i oh. love that i love i i love that shot of sevier i think it was from the arizona game when he went when he when he missed the empty net and then he smashed his stick off of the he smashed his stick off the boards and you could see cassie right beside him just laughing his ass off Cassian coming coming off a three point game on the top line, laughing at all the scrubs who are just playing for scraps. Yeah, well, he's a fucking staple to Connor McDavid, so he can actually score some goals for once. <sighs> Sorry, Zach. <laughs> uh, but before the end of the first, new Ryan Nugent Hopkins, as Jack Michaels would say, was got off the Schneid. He was no longer on the Schneid. He was off the Schneid, and ripped one bar down on a two on one. That is the best sound in hockey. <laughs> More like Ryan Nugent Shotkins. <laughs> Everybody shot, 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 shot. This game, man, there was a couple of fellas that got off the Schneid this game. This was a big Schneid game. This was a big Schneid game. I don't that one. Uh, no, no. Big Schneid game would not be a good episode title. Uh, <laughs> no, because this is the, the Dangerous Golden Knights crew, which is hilarious. Yeah. Very funny. <laughs> Um, but Nuge ripping that bar dizzle on a two-on-one. Best sound in hockey, as Nolan said. Uh, and then 18 seconds left in the period, Nolan. Uh, what's he known by in your home? Hard-working Hyman. Get your thermos ready, buddy. Because he outworks the Olympian, Mark Stone, and makes it 2 nothing. Should be noted, Nolan. Fantastic play from CC to get that uh, to get this in. Oh, I thought that said mutton. My phone screen's really dirty. Uh, great play by CC to get things in motion. That was an excellent breakout pass. I actually had to re-watch that part of the highlight package to see if that was actually Cody CC that made that laser. Yeah, see, it wasn't even like a breakout pass. It was just it was just creating the turnover, popping it to Cassian, and then Cassian essentially got like a what what was like the version of like the Tyson Berry power play point where he just kind of ding, he just passes oh, it a little bit up to him. I'm I'm thinking of the next goal, Nolan. Oh, I, I yes. totally misread that because the next one was the completely bonkers pass from Bouchard. Um, sometimes you just see the number five and get a little confused. Uh, and then, like you said, completely bonkers pass by Evan Bouchard, who finds the streaking. <clears throat> Miles. Yes, Pooley off the schneid. Who nabs his first one in nine games, putting the Oilers up 3 nothing in the second period. And, um, Miles, should should we just, should we just get to the big story of this game? Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about the stupid fucking record that was broken. Okay. I'm curious as to why you're, you, you go ahead. You finish your thought. I hate the shot blocks record. I, I I hate the shots blocked record. I can appreciate Chris Russell getting in front of pucks to stop them. But here is my, here is my, is my thought process behind that. How about you just don't play with the puck in your own zone? Yeah, okay. No. I, no. Like, I just... Uh, the the best way... To, I, I saw a tweet about this, and, and I actually screenshot because I wanted to read it to you. Blocking shots is like killing rats. Doing it is preferable to not, but if you're doing it all the time, it suggests you have bigger problems. That is where the issue lies. Is that Chris Russell... Like I said, I can appreciate the block shots record. I totally can. But to celebrate it as if we're as if like he just fucking uh he just like broke the the what's what's a 
even like a hits record. Like I, I would show more appreciation for a record for hits than I would for block shots. Block, I, blocking shots is a st- is a stat or a metric though that means like so much to the team as a team guy, like as as a team first player. And you think about the role that he played when he was on like the Flames and different things like that. Like he was a minute munching, like hard nose shut not shut down D man, but like shut it, shut it down D man who is out there blocking shots and getting up, chopping a puck off the glass and just playing gritty hockey. And that stuff that you can't, you can't just sweep that under the rug and make an analytics thing about it because having guys out there that are just fucking wearing them is so like energizing to the team. I, I don't, I don't think that you can just downplay that because it is, it is sick. Like that's a good dude to have in the room. You know that he's willing to sacrifice it for the boys. So your stars play a little bit harder. Maybe I'm just an old Sutter head hockey fan, but that to me, I love a guy who blocks shots is a, is a, is a saint. I don't mind a player that blocks shots. I'm, I, like I said, I show appreciation just if you're for doing it all shot. the time. If you're doing it all the time is the issue. If you are, if you are nabbing the shot blocks that, 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 that he was nab that he was racking up that is a little bit problematic i would rather the defenseman get the puck out of the zone and not spend it just fucking blocking shots the entire time that's all that's all the goal the goalie in me loves chris russell's new new record shout out chris russell shut up chris russell (laughs) shut up chris russell or uh but uh, 31 face-off wins, 55.4%. That's pretty great. We love when the face-offs go our way because we've been through a decade of the Oilers being stinky at face-offs. And pointless Connor, pointless Leon, fun fact, from Frank Saravalli. This is just the Oilers' sixth win in 61 games where Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl were both held off the score sheet. That's uh, that's a pretty uh, gargantuan stat to digest, but Uncle Miles does love some supporting cast scoring. I love and it I too. Love it. I love it even more when there's a delicious division rivalry W at the end of it all. And I don't even find that stat all that bad, and the reason being is because like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are two at like not even debatable top three players in the NHL. So the idea that either of them would not have a point is pretty rare. And if they both don't have a point, that would mean that they're most likely the team is most likely being shut out. So I don't I don't see that as yeah. that big of an issue. I mean, it was pretty bad during the 17-18 season and the 18-19 season when it was just a like a bad team overall, but I I honestly that stat doesn't bother me a hell, no, you know, a that, hell of a lot. That's just a stat that people like to like you know, like they just like to point at it and like, did you know? Did you know? It's just a graphic for Sportsnet. Fucking read it and weep. Move on. Speaking and... of moving, mo- speaking of moving on, Broberg, twenty three minutes and thirty four seconds. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to the NHL, kid. <laughs> yeah. Here you go, bud. Sink or swim. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that was Vegas, and so luckily now the Oilers. Believe it or not. We did say that they were going to end up 15-5 and five at the end of last episode. We just had the games all mixed up. So that's good. Like, they were still 2-1 and one on, the, on the week. Yeah, and 2-1 so. uh, two, two on the week is uh, is great. I think, I think, best points percentage in the Western Conference? 
Uh, I think you would be right. I think, Which I is... Think, I think you're correct. I think I'm correct, and I think Calgary's second. So crazy that the Alberta teams are swagging. And remember, for the folks that might have missed last episode, Calgary is no longer the main enemy. It is Winnipeg, the new nemesis. Get it right. Yeah, the Oilers are currently a .750 points percentage, and the Calgary Flames are a .69. Nice. You got it, man. Okay, so... Miles, let's get to some overall Oilers talk. Let's talk about the the <laughs> the most talked about story, possibly about the Oilers over the last week, which is Architectural Digest came to the house of Connor McDavid and Lauren Kyle and went through a nice little tour of the home, uh, including a a, a, a a multiple appearances by wh- who we all thought was called Lenny, but according to Lauren, he is Leonard. So that's get it, I, yeah. get it right. Yeah. So people online don't call my fucking dog Lenny, you pieces of shit. Um, Miles, so what do you think of Connor McDavid's house? So okay, couple things. It's not Connor McDavid's house. That's fucking Lauren Kyle's house because <laughs> you know, you know absolutely that if F McDavid wasn't with her, he would live in like a shoebox. Like you know <laughs> what I mean? Like he'd probably have a nice house, but he wouldn't have like. Dude, that looks like um oh what's the fucking uh god dang it Napoleon what's that really basic white girl store anthropology that Ooh, house looks like one. an anthropology came to life and it's nice um like if you want to live in an earls but I could not imagine actually living in that house man it's it, it's crazy but the I closet do it kind of looks like a Zara yeah man that that house looks like um uh like an like an american eagle no not an american eagle but somewhere where like an american, american eagles... eagles are more home-like than their house i got it if an american eagle like retail soundtrack came to life it would be that house The sign. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to derail the discussion about the aesthetic design of the home. But can we please talk about the sign that was in the basement? Yeah, yeah, you can. I don't. I, what, did, I, what did it say? I I don't like that. I I do not like this choice. I do not. I do not like. Uh, I do not like eggs here, or I, I do not like them, <laughs> Sam. I am. I don't even know the line. Like- um. Yeah, so the sign that said, uh, if you don't like dogs, I don't like you. <laughs> I'm actually, my skin is currently like curdling just from me even saying that out loud. Yeah, I mean, you make compromises when you're in love. There was one thing in the sh- in the, in the the video that I thought was really funny, and it's just like how awkward Connor is. He, when hates they were, like, the, out... he hates talking to people so much. Oh, yeah. And especially, like, about his house. Like, I feel like he's a pretty modest dude. So, like, just showcasing everything. He's probably, like, super uncomfortable to begin with. But fucking poor Edmonton, especially in November. It's so... Oh. It's so <laughs> I enjoy gray. the view, and it's just, yeah. like, a fucking It's a park. beautiful view, yeah. and it's just, like, dead trees and grass. <laughs> and, like, oh, no, Connor, like... <laughs> Oh, it's such a meme. There was what a couple if, good memes. Oh, I, I got, I got some good content out of that video. 
um the uh one of actually one of my favorite uh one of my favorite little tidbits from that video is when they show connor's office in air quotations and it shows a it shows an unplugged imac (laughs) (laughs) i'm like looking at it i'm like man connor connor's got a nice like aesthetic for all of his cords and stuff and i'm like oh no actually it's just not plugged in it's all for show. What 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 work does he need to do? He work. He's in the gym with Leonard, and that's it. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's 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 doing he's doing squats with Lenny. Leonard. Oh, sorry, Leonard. Do you, imagine we found out that Connor McDavid is actually just like really into like production and like and like music, music uh, stuff, and uh, and then he, you also find out that he's like a big Twitch streamer in his spare time. Yeah, guys, actually, this is uh, my in-house music studio. Uh, sometimes Leon comes over and we mix beats, uh, German house music, probably some stuff you've never heard of, but it's getting a lot of airplay over there. And then the next room is his Twitch streaming room, and he's got, like, a full F1 setup wheel. Dude, no offense to Connor, but how, like, I would hate to see his music playlist because it would make me so, it would make <laughs> me so fucking mad. It's probably just full of the worst shit. <laughs> I can guarantee um, I, it. I, yeah, before a big game, I like to get fired up. Uh, listen to a little bit of Imagine Dragons. Really yeah, I got some uh, Imagine Dragons, you know. Yeah, you know, I uh, just uh, also, uh, I, I partied with, uh, <laughs> you hear Taylor? <laughs> uh, I partied with uh, partied with the lead singer from the Arkells, uh, and so I'm uh, I'm really big into them. Who's the Who's the coach for the Raptors? Oh, uh, Nick Nurse. Yeah. Uh, so I actually have the uh, part where Nick Nurse uh, goes on stage with the Arkells and does his guitar solo. I actually listen to that because it really makes me think, really gets me fired up. Miles, have I ever second have, me, I, actually, have I told sorry. you about how much I hate their Instagram presence, by the way? Whomst? The Arkells? Yeah. I, f- I, I don't think I despise one band more. Like, like, Adam, like on the verge of insanity, they they make me. <laughs> if they ever go missing, we know where to look. It's you. Exactly. Go on, Miles. Speaking of uh, hockey players' music tastes, there's like a, um, I think it was like GQ or something did like a ten things Austin Matthews can't live without. Oh, no. Maybe it wasn't that, but it was like Austin Matthews essentials or something like that. And there's one where they, they like ask him about his music. So like we have we have on one end of the spectrum boring Connor McDavid, and then we have on the other end of the spectrum the like. Uh, cultural appropriation station of Austin Matthews. It's like, <laughs> what do you listen to? And he's like, uh, I like the baby, little baby, gonna. And he just says it so like uninspiring. Like, yeah, he sounds like a he sounds like a seventeen year old hype beast. No, dude, he sounds like a like a forty year old suburban dad who just <laughs> who just looked at like rap caviar and is like, yes, I like gonna. I like Gunna. I'm a big, uh, big uh, Drake fan. Yeah. So it's so, uh, we're just we're just two guys just talking shit. I think it's the moral we're just of the story we're just two here. guys standing in front of a hockey player, asking asking him Connor, to love uh, to love them. Connor, whatever you do, whatever your playlist is, keep going because it's it's clearly working. Come on the pod, defend Come yourself. On the pod. Come on. the um speaking of defending ourselves nolan are we all done talking about the house tour or is there any other things you'd like to talk about 
I think I've got everything. I think I've got everything. It's been. It, I I think it's been kind of talked to. I think it's been kind of talked to death. For one, I will say that um, that I think I do think that people are lying to themselves if they said that they would never live in Connor McDavid's house because, um, I mean, like it, it's not obviously it's not very homey feeling, but like that's a really fucking nice house. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So um, okay, moving on from that, um, Miles. Do you want to talk about the lineup in general? Just a couple of little a little points before we move on to the NHL. Yeah, I would. And I think that uh, Duncan Keith is the perfect example of you don't know what you got until it's gone. Because it's... it's No? You don't think so? Uh, so, okay. Because, okay, may I finish with yes, what I was going to yes, say? Yes, do your thing, sorry. Okay, so because, like, the whole reason that the Oilers got Duncan Keith, and I think what a lot of people were talking about at the beginning of the season when it came to Duncan Keith, and by a lot of people, I mean us, was the his ability that, like, he doesn't have to be a number one D-man anymore. He doesn't need to be. But the fact remains the same, Nolan. It's that he could be in the situation of, in, of injury. So when we found ourselves down Cuckoo and Nurse, it was super nice that uh, – big big dk d1k was there who could play up and eat up some minutes was capable of doing it you don't want him to do it for fucking 82 games a season but you know for two weeks he was more than capable of doing it until what happens nolan he goes down and we have fucking legison and chris russell jumping into the mix and eating up minutes and it's just like i've been happy with not happy with but content with okay with the way that the decor has looked and played in the past couple of games but Man, I again, what I'm saying is if Duncan Keith was still there, I think I'd feel a whole hell of a lot better. Yeah, I know what you mean. By the way, my camera is going to be out for, for this one, so it's fine. Um, Actually, hold on. Uh, I got to use the shitty camera. Look at this. Oh, what's up, guys? Hey, dudes. Um, Yeah, so with Duncan Keith, I'm – so okay, so I, I I I agree with you to a certain extent because it also just kind of goes back to my overall thoughts on like Chris Russell, I guess, because like like playing Chris Russell that amount of time scares the ever living shit out of me. But we were getting to a point last week, at least, or right before Duncan Keith went down with injury, to like especially those games against Winnipeg where he was frightening the shit out of me by just how rickety his play was because it was just it was never ending he was turning over the puck in the defensive zone and not getting it out and it was just driving me completely batshit insane would I prefer Duncan Keith in the lineup over Chris Russell absolutely would I prefer Duncan Keith getting 25 minutes every night absolutely not um I am very happy that we're it seems like we're getting fairly close to um to Darnell Nurse being back, which is 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 very good to see. Um however, I know I sound crazy saying this, but I am a lot more comfortable with Philip Broberg playing in the lineup because it's just steady, quiet hockey. And that's and that, all I want. I agree with you a thousand percent. And you know what? I feel like this is just me and you like putting the, the the meme of uh, Obama putting a medal on Obama, but that is exactly it, Nolan, is just quiet, steady hockey from Broberg. Couple apples, couple dash games, 
whatever is what it is. But the guy has been looking fucking pretty good for an NHL rookie, for a guy who has checks notes, five games under his belt for an NHL player, four, four games yeah. under his belt. He's looked awesome. So I've got, I have no qualms with Philip Roberg and I certainly hope that he continues to stay with the team. I, I think he's certainly at this point earned uh, to earn to be there. And I hope that they keep him there when the injuries subside. Do you have any other comments about the defense or may I move on to the forwards? So, okay. So we'll, so then we'll, we'll come back to the forwards right after this, but I wanted to read you some advanced numbers on Philip Roberg. Miles. I love numbers. Okay. Love so, so regular counting stats. Okay. So four games, one assist dash three average time on ice, 19 minutes, 37 seconds with seven shots on goal. Pretty fucking good. Um, I mean, the shots on goal puts puts Kyle Turris to shame. We love to see that. And the minus three, I'm not all that worried out, or I'm not all that worried by because it's more of I think that's more of a product of the of the defense being as depleted as it is. So he has to take these much harder matchups. So I don't I don't worry about that. What does make me excited um, are the are the fancy numbers. So I have tallied this up. I got this all from Natural Stat Trick. Since November 20th, which was his debut, to November 29th, which is today, a minimum of 70 minutes played, which is essentially the time of a top four defenseman in, 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 that, uh, in that overall time span. Corsi 4 percentage, 58.14, which is 12th in the NHL for, for D-men that have played at least 70 minutes. So... That includes, that includes Charlie McAvoy, that includes John Carlson, Roman Yossi, all of those guys. That includes all of the top defensemen in the NHL. Fenwick, 4 percentage, 16th in the NHL. Shots, 4 percentage, 53.33, which is, 35%, or which is 35th in the NHL. Still insane. That's out of, like, what, 64 top 4 defensemen or something like that? Um, and then his expected goals, 4 percentage, 51.36, which is 37th in the NHL good numbers really good numbers and once again this just hammers home the steady quiet defenseman and sometimes he gets that puck on his stick and he's transporting that bad boy into the into the offensive zone and it looks dynamic fuck i'm telling you if he if he puts everything together and i i don't know how much i want him really to learn from the nhl team it would almost be a little bit more beneficial for him to have a full season in Bakersfield so that he could learn how to grow his game offensively. But if he can learn, if he can learn in the NHL, then he can learn in the NHL. I mean, I'm, I'm not putting it past him because it seems like he's just gotten better and better since he left the SHL. So, Hey, I, I, I know I just said he's earned a chance to stay with the team and I, I think he does. I don't go back on that, but you know, if he does, if he's been, when you hear those advanced uh, analytics, you hear those advanced numbers, if he's able to go back to Bakersfield and is just like, yeah, I'm fucking rank and tear things up and get like 26 minutes of ice time, 25 minutes of ice time a game, not, not the worst thing in the world either. Don't think that that would be too, too bad. Um, so, you know what, man? We'll see what happens. We'll see what the coaches want to do. If the, if the prospect whisperer, Jay Woodcroft, comes calling for him to come back, um, do it, whatever. And just as long as he's happy and good, cause it, it's making me so excited. And who knows, maybe like 
maybe Duncan Keith could be a huge influence for him. Maybe Duncan Keith could give him a little bit, or you know, could give him a few pointers. And be like, hey kid, this is how you win a Norris. Hey kid, your feet look fucking slow. Let's hit a ladder, all right? Dude, Philip Roberg. His feet don't look slow. Yeah, no, he's like his skating is just I. Oh, he gets me excited. And he doesn't have like he doesn't have the crazy boneheaded mistakes that a guy like Darnell Nurse has. Sorry, Nurse. Okay. Well, uh, Miles, do you want to move on to the forwards? Sure. Okay. Um, I don't know if I have a whole lot to say here about the forwards. Um, just because I'm still like full of piss and vinegar and excitement from the game against the uh, Golden Knights. And I will preface that by saying I was drunk off my ass at the rodeo, so I didn't watch the game. I only got to see the the highlights of it. But um, any time that there's like an influx of secondary scoring, not depth scoring, because like depth scoring would be, in my opinion, like guys you don't hear their names a whole heck of a lot getting goals. Like I expect a Hyman, Pooley RV to, to be putting pucks in the net. Um, Nugent Hopkins, that's secondary scoring to me. Anybody outside of Leon and Connor is is secondary scoring to me. And the fact that they were out there, you know, winning that game effectively off of those goals is very nice. Uh, I guess the biggest story would be the Cassian Pugliarvi mix and I don't or swap, and I don't like that. I don't like that because I know that you need to get Pugliarvi pumping. And the fact that he was able to like go up, down, and then come back up and score or whatever um, makes it makes a guy feel good. But Ace Poliarvi is a king. We need him on the top line at all times, in my opinion. So here's the thing with Yesse, and this is what I've 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 read online is apparently Dave Tippett wants to use him as a line driver to really see how much experience he could, how much, how much experience he has driving that line because that line, since he got placed with Warren Fogle and Ryan McLeod has looked excellent. Um, it's just a matter of they keep the puck in the offensive zone. They generate chances and that's all that happens. Um, and then with that, you also get the fact that, Typically, the third the third pairing is with them, which includes Evan Bouchard. So it's just nonstop puck movers in that grouping. Unfortunately, that means that Tyson Berry and Chris Russell are playing with Connor McDavid, and we don't like to see that. But the 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 way that Pugliarvi has grown his game, at least over the last three games or so, has very much impressed me. I'm 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 very 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 excited about that, and it also gets me thinking. So, let's say Philip Roberg is great, okay? Let's say Duncan Keith comes back fully healthy. Let's say Darnell Nurse comes back fully healthy. Everything's looking good. Hooray, hooray, let's go to the playoffs, right? Trade deadline comes. Here's the question. How would we feel about another top six right winger to play with Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman keep the dry line together on the second, and then you keep that third line of Fogel, McLeod, and Pooley Yarvey. If in fact that third line is humming along at a crazy rate, it gives you something to think about. But then, the, but then the question happens. The, the, then the question comes up: What do you do with Zach Cassian? Now wow. you hopefully move him in the deal, but I mean, it's tough to say. There's another little tasty treat in there, Nolan, and that is that Dylan Holloway finally skated again today. Oh, yeah, he did. So, 
as much as I want to talk about trade deadline stuff, because I know we had such a nice chat about that before, uh, I'm, I, I think that Dylan Holloway deserves a chance, not necessarily in the NHL right away coming off of the injury that he had, but like, let, let, let the kid play a fucking game first before we start looking at other options, because I think the answer might be in house. The answer might be there where you don't need to go uh, making pieces, making trades, because if if Dirty Dill is is chucking chucking some some goals, why get Phil Kessel? Yeah, well, and it, but it's also what if the opportunity comes up for someone like I don't know somebody plays in Columbus, pending RFA coming up this off season. Don't maybe even a, say it. Maybe a friend of Yesipuliyarvi. Shut your mouth. <laughs> What if Patrick Laine becomes available? Oh my god. My NHL GM mode just shot. Speaking of which, uh anybody who's listening, I, I, I bought an I bought an Elgato capture card yesterday, so uh your boy's gonna do some NHL franchise mode, so oh get ready, people. Wait to you'll get to all experience the the Nolan trades that I get to see on my texts where you're like, how do you fucking do that? Oh, it's 2029. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but but any, anyway, yeah. Dylan Holloway, skated. We're excited. That's exciting. Could you imagine like how, how much forechecking would be on that line with him and Zach Hyman? Oh, my goodness. He's like a baby Hyman. He's like a baby Hyman. Speaking of the forwards, though, Fogel I've been really impressed with. Sevier I've liked his game. Um, just all in all, man, I've been very happy with the forward group. I think the, uh, you know what? I, I really love the idea of keeping Benson, Ryan, and Sevier as a line. I think that's your fourth line going forward. So, Turris, Pierlini. Yep. See you See later. later. Yeah. Yep. Keep them there for depth. That's it. Because Sevier, I've been, every time he gets thrown in the lineup, he's impressed me. He's, yeah, absolutely. He's he's generating chances, and it seems like he's going to score his goal. Like I, I, I really think it's going to happen. So, I've been, uh, I, I've been, I've been very impressed by the three of them. I mean, you have to play Derek Ryan no matter what because you signed the guy for two years at like one point one million or one point five million or something like that. So, you, you, like you got to play the guy. Not and to ideally, mention PK. Yeah, and ideally, right now is what you want. You want Ryan McLeod as your third line center. You want. Derek Ryan as your long-term fourth line center because if you can get all this improvement in-house it just means less money having to be spent or less money and assets having to be spent and then when that time comes that you find that bell of the ball trade target you can go and acquire them so something to think about it's exciting um I think we're starting to see things kind of piece together a little bit we have to still be patient. We have to understand that this is a very long season and teams are going to go through their ups and downs. But and, so far, so good. And if last week taught us anything, it's that you are one injury away from having to figure it all out again. So exactly. we are glad that we have the forward depth that we do because that may come into play. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we have officially reached the NHL portion of the show. And we would be remiss if we did not lead things off talking about the Brandon Lemieux, Brady Kachuk biting incident. Allegedly biting incident. This is this is crazy, man. Allegedly. 
I hope you're just saying that for uh, for clerical purposes. I am saying that for clerical purposes. Okay, because good. <laughs> I a watch it. B look at Brady Kachuk in the penalty box, showing his hand with teeth marks, and C like <laughs> Brady Kachuk. Can we talk about Brady Kachuk for a second? Yes. A good kid. Yeah. A, a good hockey player. I think a reputable young man. Somebody who's an NHL all-star, the captain of his hockey team. This is not a guy that's going to be walking around BSing him. Yeah. Like, and, and also a guy too, that is just, he's a tough customer. Like he's not a, yes. he's not a kid that's going to, that's going to sort of turtle over and, and, and basically shy away from the competition. Like he's a fucking tough dude and he yeah. will do whatever he needs to in order to win. And he's not going to take something like that lightly. Absolutely not. And I think if you look at Brendan Lemieux's history and the type of person he is, the type of player he is, this makes Brady Kachuk going full scorched earth on him after the game even more incredible. Uh, Here's the full quote if you haven't heard it already. Uh, Quote, this is the one time I'm going to answer this, Kachuk said per the Ottawa Sun. It was the most gutless thing someone could ever do. This guy, you can ask any one of his teammates. Nobody ever wants to play with him. This guy is a bad guy and a bad teammate. He focuses on himself all the time. The guy's just a joke. He shouldn't be in the league. This guy's gutless. No other team wants him. He's going to keep begging to be in the NHL, but no other team wants him. He's an absolute joke. I can't even wrap my head around it. People don't even do this. Babies do this. He's just a bad guy. I mean, you love to see it. You love to see it from Brady Kachuk. Could you imagine being Brendan Lemieux and reading that? Like that is a direct shot at your character. Brendan Lemieux is also kind of a dick, so he probably doesn't care. He's probably like, "Oh, look at me! I'm getting front page news." Like, but at the same time, man, if someone was calling me gutless, a bad dude, a joke, a beggar, like, oof. Um, Miles, do you know who like Brendan Lemieux's like best friend is? Take a wild fucking guess. Is it one of the guys who got kicked out of the NHL last year? Yeah, it is. I figured. It's is it yeah. uh is it Buddy from Washington? Uh you mean Buddy from New York Rangers? Who is it? It's uh watch your tone, Tony D'Angelo. No, he's yeah. buddies with Tony D. Yeah, he's like it's oh. like a, he, yeah, he's like his best friend. Oh, birds of a feather suck yeah. together. Um, speaking of sucking, Jonathan. Oh, Quist you were thinking was... of Brendan Leipzig. That's who you're thinking. Yeah, of. I was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, speaking. Speaking of. Speaking of guys who suck, Jonathan Quick was very quick to defend his teammate. Um, essentially saying, like, I would pick that guy over Kachuk any day. Like, he's a beauty. Like, fucking love Brandon Lemieux. Like, he's so sick. Gave his nickname a little shout out in there too. Whatever it was. Um, like, shout out to Quick doing that like defending his teammate but also at the same time like your teammate but, bit a guy yeah, yeah he he bit someone you should not be standing for that i'm pretty sure when uh oh god who was it on garnet hathaway on washington when he spat on the when he spat on eric branson i'm pretty sure like multiple capitals came out and were like yeah that's not cool dog like you shouldn't be doing that um actually i found this on twitter yesterday Ex-Green Bay gambler and ex-teammate of Brendan Lemieux confirms that nobody liked Lemieux on their team. Uh, this is a quote that, or this is uh, something, uh, Mike Michael Rotolo, I think, or Rotolo, I'm not entirely sure. I, I apologize for butchering your last name, sir. Um, this, was a, uh, this was a comment under an Instagram post. 
played with him in the USHL. This is 100% accurate. No one liked him, and he got absolutely bagged after practice by our fighter for running his mouth. Quit and went to the O the next day. And I and so somebody looked up all the info about that team, and yes, Brendan Lemieux did play on that USHL team. So, love to see when shitheads are exposed for being shitheads. And he's uh, currently speak- awaiting on a hearing as well from the NHL um, freaking Board of Attitude or whatever the fuck it's called. Department of Player Safety. Board of Attitude. Speaking of uh, pieces of shit, uh, Brad Marchand gets a three-game suspension for slew-footing Oliver ekman Larson in the game against the Bruins and Canucks the other night. Um, did you see it, Nolan? I did not watch it. Um, I, I I at first wanted to wipe my glasses and make sure it wasn't PK Subban, but uh, <laughs> I mean, why am I, why are we not surprised by by all by all by all the Brad Marchand stuff now? I know I heard about I, I heard about the whole thing with the Vancouver announcers called him like a like a piece of garbage or something like that or like a garbage player, and then Anson Carter had a tweet today. It was like. Uh, with the uh, when uh, when the this is the reason why nobody wants to play in Canada is because the op- opposing players are called pieces of shit, something along those lines. But hey. no, I did not watch the slew foot. Okay, I saw the replay of it, and most of the time, I I not that I'm like a fucking hockey brain or anything like that, but I think that like I'm generally pretty fair with with dirty plays. Was it was it was it, it pretty was bad? bad? Oh, you, oh, you didn't think it was bad? I didn't think it was that bad. No, it was like they went into contact, like into the boards, and uh, Brad Marchand was behind him, and like as they were both kind of stretching for the puck, Marchand's leg went out a little far. Granted, a little far, and kind of as he was stopping skating forward, sliding forward, he took out OEL's back leg, which like looks bad is bad dangerous play all that sort of stuff but to me it didn't look like a deliberate like slew foot where you're trying to end a guy's season that's yeah, just my to, opinion i'm trying to watch the um god I, I hate when this happens on twitter when you're just trying to find a play and the proper thing just won't freaking come up yeah it's like everybody's hot take speaking yeah. of everybody's hot take you can listen to that brady kachuk soundbite being read by gilbert godfried and it's fucking amazing. oh i did i did i did see that part yes um i also did like to the uh artemi panarin uh glove throw at, at uh, marshawn and i don't know if you saw his response to him getting fined five thousand dollars but he's like, he's like, yeah, I just got to say thanks to the previous GM that gave me $11.5 million. Is that what Panarin said? <laughs> yeah. That's swag. That's rock star king, next level Russian rock star shit. That is sick. <laughs> uh, I, I actually just want to confirm that. Hold on. Uh, 11.5. I'm pretty sure I'm like 100%. I'm like 90, 96% sure he said that. Oh my god, I can't find it. Anyways, uh, Miles. Uh, well, actually, speaking of the Rangers, this is actually a really good segue. I know because uh, the former general manager of the New York Rangers, Jeff Gordon, got hired by a team that recently just fired their GM. The Montreal Canadiens uh, fired Mark Bergevin after a completely stinky start and looking completely directionless. 
And uh, they have now named the former architect of the New York Rangers. Uh, I don't want to say like I don't want to say like contender status or anything like that because uh, they're a little bit concerning. But Jeff Gordon named the VP of Hockey Operations in Montreal. They are still planning on hiring a Francais-speaking general manager, which is kind of annoying because you should just give people the fucking job if they deserve it, you sons of bitches. And uh, yes, he uh, he. Uh, so this is a nice little return to the organization, or a nice little return to hockey. Sorry for Jeff Gordon. Uh, they uh, some people were looking up his um, his comments on the Logan Mayu situation, and he was just kind of like middle of the road, which is a little unfortunate. And I don't don't uh, totally don't don't totally appreciate that. But Mark Bergevin fired after like. A thousand years as GM of the Habs. What do you have to say about Miles? Um, I think anybody who's listened to the show before knows that I'm not a very big fan of Mark Bergevin. I just don't like him as a as a as a person, and I don't like him as a hockey brain. And I think that the tenure that you're referring to or referencing Nolan is largely in in relation to the fact that he speaks French. And I don't think that anybody else would have kept. In a, in a hockey market, would have kept their job as long as he did had they not been en français. So, uh, good riddance. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. And, again, either we've said it a couple of times, but with the whole Kyle Beach thing coming to light, um, you get your just desserts somehow. And whether those things are related or not, probably not. But he's out of work. He's out of the NHL. And I would be very surprised if he got another shot with an NHL team anytime soon. I think he's retiring. I, I think he's just kind of out of it. I, there was all the talk before the season began about him not even wanting to sign sign an extension and maybe moving upstairs into like more of a sort of hands-off role. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's just kind of done with being a GM. But yeah, man, I, I, this that whole tenure has been unfortunately a failure. They... I mean, you just all you have to look at is his freaking draft is his draft record, man. Like it's it's kind of depressing. Like their best pick, arguably, over his entire tenure was Mikhail Sergachev, and like Sergachev, yeah, he traded him. He's a a good player, but he's not like you hope to have like one elite talent out of that entire crop of or out of that entire crop of players. Like, hey, you got to have something. And maybe it has to do with more of the development side of things rather than the drafting part. But at the same time, I mean, the proof's in the pudding right there. Like, you've, 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 you've got to hit on these guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, um, yeah, I, I, good riddance. Eh, it's kind of, uh, I mean, it, it kind of had to be so. Uh, have fun, Mark Bergevin. Have fun lifting weights for the rest of your for the rest of your life. Big Mac, bitch. Speaking of speaking of guys having fun, um, Evander Kane clears waivers and is assigned to the AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Uh, and not to be outdone, Matt Murray clears waivers and is assigned to the Bennington Senators, Belleville Senators, Be- Belleville Senators. I can never remember which city they're in. Um, wow. Two names that you would not have expected even a year ago to be uh, clearing waivers going to the AHL, but two guys going to the AHL for very different reasons, Nolan. 
I think I think one of them actually ends up playing a game in the AHL, and I think the other one is traded by probably Friday. And <laughs> floor by Alex, I'm so sorry, but I think Evander Kane is going to be a Vancouver Canuck. Just when you thought that that locker room couldn't get any worse. <laughs> Like I'm, just when you thought things couldn't get worse, that's the that's uh as 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 I would call it the the word on the street <laughs> is that uh, Mr. Benning has uh, has inquired about one Evander Kane. Now they might be able to get him at half retained, which is which is pretty nice. But at the same time, you're bringing like a big locker room distraction in and just adding fuel to the fire that is already a very combustible Vancouver Canucks organization. <laughs> This is uh, this is essentially a gas leak in your house, and you just took up smoking a pipe. <laughs> that that's what him coming into the locker room is. It's just like, ah, oh, Pedersen, what are we gonna do? How are things? Power plays bad. Ah, oh, fuck, shit, shit, shit. Hey, you guys, I got a blowtorch. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's just don't don't get me wrong. Evander Kane, very talented player, very like very good player. He's still a great player, but that's just a it's a big risk you gotta take. And if and if a veteran laden team like the San Jose Sharks wants nothing to do with Evander Kane, I think that's that's a that's a guy that very very few, very few teams can actually rehab his image and there's still a lot of shit about him that I don't think we've gotten firm answers to that does quite concern me about Evander Kane. I do not understand how this guy is going to get opportunities and I do not understand how this guy still has a contract in the NHL. Like he just seems like a fucking asshole and I just don't I I I don't get it. I I I don't get how he is still in the NHL at this point. Speaking of still being in the NHL, Nolan Matthew Murray is the yeah. guy that is the guy that you think is going to be playing games in the AHL. Um, the buy low approach from the uh, Ottawa Senators clearly did not work out here. Uh, guys played six games in the National this season. He has a three point two six goals against average and a zero point eight nine zero save percentage, uh, with five losses credited to his name. Um, is Matt Murray that bad? Apparently, uh, I haven't watched a lot of Senators games to actually see how he's played. I don't think that they're that bad in front of him, but fuck, man, that sucks for Matt Murray. Two years left at $6.25 million. That's a tough pill to swallow, my friend. I think that there is a possibility of being able to move, like maybe move Matt Murray for like a change of scenery guy. Uh, I mean... It's unfortunate that San Jose kind of has their goaltending situation figured out because I think that there could have been something maybe kind of interesting between San Jose and Ottawa, but considering that's not the case, then it's I I think they're I think they're kind of SOL. They have to figure out something with Matt Murray. Jake DeBrusque for Matt Murray. The trade is one for one. Yeah, that's a, that's a crowded goaltending tandem then, because then you've got Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman who are both gunning for starting jobs, and then that possibility of Tuka Rask that's been discussed as well. I'm just uh, I, I'm just kidding because like I feel like <laughs> Jake DeBrusque is the change of scenery guy that comes to my mind first, but that's also just because I want Jake DeBrusque. You re- he's gonna end up being an Oiler. I can almost Absolutely. guarantee it. it. It's gonna happen. Like Louis is probably already pulling the strings. Off the schneid. Speaking 
Speaking of being off the schneid, Nolan, is there anything else you want to talk about the NHL? Or can old Uncle Miles finally unveil the new ideas he's got for Palouse? I would like him to unveil his master plan. Okay. And ladies and gentlemen at home who are listening to this, Nolan doesn't know what, what I've had cooking here. This has been something that I have run by a very select group of people that I have tested the idea upon, but have waited to unveil it to the one-for-one nation um, because I love the Palooza and I had a lot of fun doing it last year. But the workload was very, very heavy to count all those games, keep track of it, ended up getting behind. People are getting pissed off. I need to see updated uh, standings. I need to see an updated give a shit. (laughs) Just kidding. But um, I wanted to make some changes to it that was going to make it more fun for everybody involved. easier for me to track because let's be honest, let's be, I'm selfish. And most importantly, I wanted it to have something, an element to it where if you missed a couple of games, it didn't completely kick you out. So as we stated last week, the Pickapalooza will run on three days a week, Friday, Saturday, and Sundays. It will be limited to a maximum of five games. So if there are three games on a Friday or three games on a Sunday, that's all you get. But if there's, you know, seven games on a Saturday or six games on a Sunday, I will be picking at my discretion the five games that will be chosen. And we are going to give a precedence to Canadian teams and we're going to give a precedence to um, like exciting games. So sorry, uh, Sabres and Yotes and like Sharks fans, you're not going to get a lot of games. We'll try, but uh, no promises. Way she goes. Way she goes. So now that we have those uh, benchmarks established, how do we keep people engaged if they they lose a couple of games in a row or miss a couple of games? Because obviously the guy who won last year, Tanner from Moose Josh Otto Tanner, ran away with it. So this is where it gets tricky. Follow along. Your points will count on a continuous basis. So all of your wins matter. Every win does matter. But at the end of every month, the winner gets the option to bank five points and give themselves a lead or subtract five points from somebody else's standing in the Palooza. So every month matters. Your win totals matter overall. But if you have the best month, say, you know, no one's winning one month and I'm winning the next month and we're in a dogfight, you get the absolute pleasure of deciding if you are going to bank five points to make up some ground or take away five points from somebody below you or above you so it's going to create a little bit of drama in the one-for-one friendship group to see who's uh who's going to be a snake and who's going to take the knees out of their buddies because let's be honest if i see baby back Felix sitting behind me even 15 20 i don't care i'm taking five away from him just to do it 10 bucks says i'm getting totally fucked in this Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that I think that the main like I was gonna say benef- beneficiaries, but it's like the main like victims of this are gonna be me and you. Yeah, exactly. We're 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 to- we're we're totally screwed because people we're, don't want us to award prizes to ourselves. We're screwed, but we take it with a grain of salt. So I don't want to hear anybody complaining about having no chance. There's always five extra dubs. And especially when you think about it, there's a max of five games. If you win the month and you get five, that's like a full day's slate of dubs. So um, don't give up. Keep playing. If anybody joins late, you have a chance to join, like to win as well. 
Um, so keep on it. Tell your friends. Get them started right away. It's going to be run on the Instagram, as always, with cool pictures that I have been saving. So I'm stoked to get things going. Uh, Miles, one quick question for the listeners. Um, I don't know if you can answer it. What would the listener, what would the winner of Pickapalooza of this season win at the end of it all? That's a great question, Nolan, and I don't think I can answer it. Um, frankly, because we still need to get Tanner his sweater. Um, <laughs> Tanner's been very good about it, and we do have a plan for what it's going to look like so the design is done. Nolan and I just need to get our poop in a group um, to get some some sweaters actually ordered and then to get Tanner's customized. So there is a plan for it. He's aware. He's involved. Um, he is one of the architects of this new Pickapalooza. So... Uh, we'll see if that plays into an advantage for him or if he's going to retire the one-for-one-palooza one-time winner. We will see. Jersey lifted to the rafters. Jersey lifted to the rafters. Well, that's very exciting, Miles. I'm very excited for Pickapalooza to get going again, and I'm sure the audience is as well. Nolan, I wanted to give one quick shout-out on the show, if that is okay with you, before we wrap things up. Absolutely darling darling oh i'm so lucky um so we've talked about him before uh friend of the show mason nice quarterback for the U of S huskies won the bowl game the utech bowl this past week they beat the university of montreal carabins how are you say it i just started to say it with a with a name but uh cheers to the huskies who will be playing in the national championship very cool very cool so very we exciting are- we are stoked for the Huskies. Excited to see them do some big things. Shout out Mason. Shout out to all the boys uh, in that U of S locker room. Go dogs. Dogs breakfast. <laughs> Nolan, also on next week's agenda uh, for your Edmonton Oilers is a big tilt against the Pittsburgh Penguins on December 1st, followed by the Friday night game against the Seattle Kraken and a Monday game against the Los Angeles Kings. Sunday game on the 5th. Three games coming up on, on the schedule, Nolan. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm going to be a bit of a Debbie Downer. I think we're going one and two this week. One and two this week. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that we are on opposite uh, sides of the coin because I am saying three. Three and oh. oh. Pittsburgh's, yeah. been, Pittsburgh's been down. They're going to pump them. Kraken, no shot. LA Kings, dogfight, but they're going to do it anyway. Three and oh for your Oilers. All right. I trust you. I think I, they're I think they're blowing Pittsburgh. I think they're blowing LA. Like no, it, it, not in like in like like they're gonna blow their tires. Not like they're going to give them blowjobs. <laughs> we will see what happens. <laughs> Anything else you want to say today, my guy? No, I had fun. This was I had, nice. I had fun too. This was nice. Uh, rest in peace, Virgil Abloh. That is it for today's show. And as always. Go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go.